This is iFanboy Booksplode, Avengers West Coast Vision Quest. California's been good to me. Hope it don't fall into the sea. Sometimes you got to trust yourself. It ain't like anywhere else. It ain't like anywhere else. Hello, welcome to iFanboy Booksplode. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Hey, Connor. And we are here uh, talking about Avengers West Coast Vision Quest on our Booksplode show, unlocked by the patrons over at patreon.com slash iFanboy. The Booksplode show is a bi-monthly show where Josh and I will take a look at a collected edition, an original graphic novel. Anything larger than a regular comic book is eligible for the Booksplode show. And this month, we're very excited to be talking about a book closer to our hearts than we probably realized before reading this. I think that's clear. Originally, the idea was, and there'll be spoilers for this book that came out many, many years ago, WandaVision was hugely popular, and we thought, let's talk about a book in which some of the story was pulled from, where they got their inspiration for some of WandaVision. And it turned out to be prescient on many levels, which we'll get to in a second. Avengers West Coast Vision Quest. The collection was published in May 2015, and it includes West Coast Avengers 42 to 46, and then the newly renamed Avengers West Coast 47 to 50. This is very specific. The first eight issues of John Byrne's run. He did only seven more issues. I don't know why they just didn't do the whole collection of John Byrne's run in this particular book. There's going to be questions about that in general. Uh, but the first issue, the West Coast Avengers 42, came out March 1989, which was our final year of junior high school. That's my time. Yes. That's the most fervent comics indoctrination era for me. 1989 was the first year I started going weekly to the comic store. Yeah. I had a pull list. I definitely read all these comics that we were going to talk about. Yeah. It was the first time that I became aware of a creator whose work I then looked for. Mm-hmm. And that was John Byrne. You know, I would say that this was before Amazing Spider-Man, or at least similar, but Todd McFarlane was always on that one thing. John Byrne would do other stuff. He did a like lot you of could things, go yeah. and you could go find like old issues of John Byrne stuff and, and then, you know, like I got the Phoenix saga and he, you know, I was like, Oh, he drew this. You know, like I'd start to put those things together. And so for twelve year old Josh to see where forty year old Josh is now, <laughs> you know, that same thing. Twenty eight year old Josh. <laughs> that train is sailed. <laughs> and and then at the same time, it also taught me one other thing, because I remember being in college age, I guess it was it was probably around the end of college. And John Byrne was going to do he did do this Spider-Man chapter one thing. And I was mm-hmm. like, awesome. He's going to retell the Spider-Man story in his style. And it was terrible. I remember being so disappointed because I was like, oh, great. Since I started reading comics again, I haven't seen much of John Byrne, so this will be exciting. And it was terrible. And that's when you sort of learn, like, John Byrne got a little eccentric uh, in the intervening years. Or maybe he always was, and we just learned about it. Well, he's certainly a creator who fell off of the zeitgeist in terms of what he wanted to make or could make was not what people wanted to read. And that's a bummer because I think we're both saying the same thing. I mean, I was thinking about this while I was reading this book, and he is... Certainly, when you talk about the all-time most important creators in comics, I think he's in the top 10 discussion. But for me, personally, like you talk about the personal most important yep. creators, he's in the top three, at least. And wow. I haven't, I've never actually ranked them, but he, he just happened it, to it, peak. You're considering that all-time, though. Like, you yeah. still consider that. Like, for right, me, in terms of my fandom, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he, was, he peaked 
it's just like you said, when we were the right age, you know. So I started yeah. reading comics. You know, John Byrne did all the most important books. He did Superman after Crisis. He did the Legends mini, the first event after Crisis. He did Fantastic Four. She-Hulk was a huge book in the 80s. He did the, when, and then you went backwards, he mm-hmm. did the X-Men run with uh, Chris Claremont, and they did West Coast Avengers. He was always in that 80s. He did a Namor series around that time. He, I, in I the 90s. Say, that's the only that reason was, I read it, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And when, and then when he left and Jay Lee took over, I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I remember specifically, because I think, I think Byrne did the first cover of Lee's yeah. run, and then you open it up, and I was like, whoa, whoa, no, no, no. Yeah. Anyway, so as a kid reading comics in the 80s, you know, John Byrne was the top name in the 80s for, for a variety of reasons. And so for me, it's, he, he's always going to be the one, for my personal canon, he's going to be in the top list. Maybe not number one, but he's definitely in the top in the discussion, just from a personal fandom. And I'm not, you know, now as an older person looking back and appreciating a whole range of creators, we've talked about this before. He's the next step after Kirby. He's not the next step. He's like two steps past Kirby. You know, Kirby happens. Yeah. And then you have like guys Busema. like Busema and Neil and Gaiman, um, not Gaiman, <laughs> Adams happen. Adams. And then Byrne is the logical progression into the 80s that started in the 60s with Kirby. He's of the Kirby school. Mm-hmm. Even though he did, he did a lot of DC work, for me, he's a Marvel guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's sort of ha- how, I, how I knew him also at the same time. So what I think that what's interesting about this is that... Even though he drew the definitive so Superman, for me, he's still a Marvel guy. And other than... Other than the fact that the styles in this book are somewhat dated, you know, the way the hair looks, the costumes or whatever, but they're really of the time, the actual draftsmanship oh, it's is still as good or better than anything I can think of. Which is why he was such a big deal, because he was a, right. he was at another level than most people at that time. Other than like George Perez or people like that. And he's writing it too. But like yeah. even in that little list, you know, I knew of all those people at the time, but, but really Byrne was the one... Who like to this day because of you know the timing of it like I like his work better than Alan Davis or mm-hmm. than George Perez or you know any of those other guys John Ramita or Ramita Jr. was was doing stuff at this time like this was the guy like there was something really special about it even more so than McFarlane because it, it holds up a lot better for me yeah that you know as as a person who has become a student of the comic book art form as I read through this like it does so many things well oh yeah. His draftsmanship, his anatomy, his acting, his character work, his facial, like it's all still excellent. That's very much of a time. Everybody's got the bulky superhero body. Everybody's a little exaggerated. It's certainly of a time. But like the work that he's doing on like Tigra, who is sort of in different stages of being a cat and like the way that he could draw a Quinjet flying around. He had very much the Kirby technology, you know, their their Malibu compound is full of... Lots of computers and things that are very much Kirby inspired. Yep. So the story starts off. So the West Coast Avengers. First of all, that book went over a hundred issues. Yeah. This is a big book at the time. This is issue forty-two, where we awaken on the Scarlet Witch. She wakes up, checks on her two kids, and the Vision is not in bed with her, and he's missing. And that sort of kicks off the the whole the book. This collection is called Vision Quest, and it's all about what happened to Vision. Where did he go? That's the main thrust of the most of this book. And first of all, what this brought me back to was a way of comic book making that is completely foreign now to people who weren't yeah. reading comics or have never read comics from this era. I'd, I'd sunk into this book like a warm bath. It was, you know, captions that talk to you, self-aware, talking about, oh, this happened last issue, or the, or the first yeah. caption saying, 
moments after our last issue, you know, like very yeah. much aware of the fact that it's a comic book and very mm-hmm. much reveling in the idea that, it, and it's a very much a Stan Lee thing. Yeah. Come here, kid. We're all sort of in this book together. You know, we're going to, I'm going to talk to you as if we are just sort of hanging out and the book will. And, you know, very overwrought and very dramatic and yeah. very melodramatic. And, and, you know, the classic Marvel storytelling here where the arc never ends. It's not six issues in a route. It's like, no. it's a continuous story. And I think it's one of the reasons why people are so connected to these books and comics in general is because if you came, you came up reading books at this time, the story never ended. You know, no. it just weaved in and out. The The B plot became the A plot, C plot became B plot, A plot, went back to C. It was and, a soap opera. I mean, in the classic yeah. sense, it was exactly the same sort of format in that way. And I just remember the feeling of this never-ending saga. You know, it's not the feeling that you get now where an arc ends, the trade is going to be collected, and you start sort of start over again uh, yeah. with a new arc. It's just like this story never stopped. And, you know, we, huh. we'll talk about the ending of this book and how – you can read more of it in another collection, which we we did a little bit, and mm. it's just like, oh well, the story is still going. You know, it's not like the arc ends. There's no arc. It's why all the trades from this era are like 500 pages long. Right. Like we don't know here. It just went on for years. The same story went on, and it was things bubbled up to become more important. But it, the way of writing comics changed so dramatically in terms of how you plotted things, and it just this is an old school, gloriously old school way. I love this collection. I think that that speaks to the fact that I will say, like, it took me. It took me, I want to say, five to ten pages to to settle in. It, meaning that, like, at first you're like, "Ooh, there's a lot of talking. Is it going to be?" Because there's a lot of bad comics from this era too that don't really. But once I sort of got what it was, everything after that was golden. I was like, "All right, okay, all right, we're in the mode. Let's go." Well, there's a lot you have to adjust to. You got to adjust to classic Hawkeye, which is not. Oh, we're listen, Hawkeye. You need to reserve twenty <laughs> to forty minutes for that. That is okay, going to be a thing that. Then, comes then I'm going to need another thirty about. minutes on Wonder Man's mullet. But all right, let's. That's continue. fine. So. <laughs> I think that one of the things that's really interesting that, I, again, I don't think happens today is that, you know, you and I and people like us, it's not just us, obviously, like the uh, a lot of the people who listen to the show and talk to us remember a lot of stuff about comics that they didn't necessarily read. And I think that that is because things really were connected to other things in the Marvel Universe in a way that it isn't today. And, this, yeah. you know, again, that's a Stan Lee thing. Yeah. But you know about these histories because, like, it was just like you said, like a story – and a character go on and on for years and they're constantly referring back to the things that happened because they really did treat every issue as if it was somebody's first. Mm-hmm. And so you got inculcated into the uh, history very quickly. And so you became familiar with it, even if you hadn't gone back to read all of it. Like I haven't read every story that had to do with the Shi'ar, but I got it right. when they showed up. I, I understood what that meant or the scrolls, or, you know, when Ultron shows up, like, you didn't it, it's odd because to know about everything that was gone you didn't actually need to read everything which is really interesting you got to buy osmosis through the other the other books that would refer to it i mean yeah. there's several characters here that show up halfway through where it's like you know you recall that in avengers 742 it's like oh you're right i did i did or or no i didn't i gotta yeah. figure out that is uh, i also sh- should mention briefly just to burn also did a great run on avengers itself yeah. so that was another book as a kid like when i think of the avengers i think of the way john burn like all these characters like almost like my perfect vision of them, oh. no pun intended, is the way Burn draws them, like the way Vision looks, the way oh, Wonder Man looks, the way Hawkeye Hawkeye looks, yep. the way Tiger looks, and you know even here we we get a you know flashback to Cap and Cap shows up for an issue, and the way Cap looks, it's just like this is in my brain, in my lizard brain, sort of the way these characters should look, is the way that Burn draws them. 
So at the time that this was coming out, I was buying them, and I remember being drawn more to West Coast Avengers. And I, I was reading at the time of the switch from West Coast to Avengers West Coast mm-hmm. just because it was like slightly left of center. And it was slightly weird and that kind of thing. You know, if you've listened to this show, like that's exactly what I want to look for. And and then at the same time, like the art was so much better than anything else I was reading. I was like, this is perfect. And and you get into and so for years we've you've, you've been listening to the show. I have said Hawkeye is my favorite or one of my favorite characters. Mm-hmm. And then we've you know we've been grousing about him for <laughs> probably seventy five percent of the time we've been doing this show. <laughs> And as I read through this book, it 100% came to me why. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm reading this character, and I'd forgotten what he was like. Because totally different character than used to need. Well, here's, my, totally here's my, my reading of Clint Barton of, of this era, mm-hmm. and it's that he is extremely self-conscious. Yep. He is overcompensating constantly. <laughs> he is not a second-tier Captain America He's a guy who really loves and respects Captain America and does not have anything that that guy has. He recognizes he's a different guy. He's yeah, not but he's, he's not that guy. He's a little petty. He's a good guy. He wants oh, to sure. do the right thing, but he's a little petty. Insecure. He he can't he's totally insecure and it's funny. Like because this guy is the head of this team, but he has to keep bringing up the fact that nobody seems to remember it. Hey, I'm a, I'm the bo- I'm the chairman. And and like everything he says is over dramatic. And and it wasn't – I don't think I love the character like, oh, he's the best hero. It was really fun to read this guy in this team. I had so much fun with it. And he was so like – but at the same time, he was also so entitled. <laughs> oh, it just – everything was, was – and everything was amped up, you know, 15% past what any real human would ever say. <laughs> you know, that sort of dra- drama that came with Everyone's everything that Mr. happened. Listen, yeah, Mister, oh, and 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 like every time there's a couple, they call each other lover all the yes. time. They literally made a sketch on SNL about that. And I, I don't <laughs> yeah. know if that was just funny to comic book people, but I remember that. that was even all the time. even Mockingbird and Hawkeye who are broken up. But it, so the team of the on this book when it starts, the first issue team is uh, Scarlet Witch, Hawkeye, Henry Pym, who doesn't ever put on a costume, right? He just is in Henry Pym. Got good. He's not. Yeah, does he actually shrink at any point in this? He shrinks. He uses the pin particles to shrink things. Right, he doesn't shrink himself ever. I, I think I'd forgotten that he would just kind of like throw pin particles at things and they would shrink. Tigra. And again, th- this is my first Ant Man, so I just thought of him as the scientist who doesn't really get involved directly, right. other than you know, which is interesting. So it's Scarlet Witch, Vision, Hawkeye, Henry Pym, Tigra, Wonder Man, the Wasp, and Mockingbird joins unofficially in this issue. Well, she had just left, and then she right. comes back. So that's where the team starts here, and it'll change slightly before we get to the end of this. But it's a fun group, you know. These are all, mm-hmm. you know, they're all Avengers. You know, Hawkeye, obviously, Scarlet Witch, Wonder Woman, Wonder Man was an Avenger. Henry Pym, obviously, is a found and Wasp were founding Avengers. But it's a great grouping of not your marquee names at the time, but you put them together and you get a really interesting yeah. dynamic between them. And everyone's in love with each other, and everyone's sleeping together, and. That's See, what I was going to say. This thing is brimming with sexual tension. Yes. It, I mean, it's all, like every page. I mean, Tigra is, you know, that that symbolism is pretty obvious. You've got the weird Vision Scarlet Witch thing. You've mm-hmm. got, you know, Hank and, and Janet, you know, are, I don't even remember if they were together or not during this. It was kind of ambiguous. No, because have, in the beginning he, he kept trying to, he kept, I'm looking, I'm literally looking at a 
page right here, page 34, digital reader. He says, right, Dar, I mean, Janet, like he's trying to call her darling. Right. So they, they had just broken this is, up, I think. This is some Fleetwood Mac rumor shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is, yeah. it is a tangled web. Uh, and, and I, you know, I know that was part of the appeal to it as a kid. Oh, sure. Cause it, cause it was, you know, there was an adult theme, but it was so subtly sort of placed in there that you're like, something's happening here that I do not understand <laughs> at all. But I want but to. I think that the person making this has got some issues. <laughs> like I didn't understand any of that, but I knew yeah. it was happening and affecting me. It's just, a, it's a rollicking adventure as the vision has disappeared. And, you know, what's great about this book is, and the way they wrote this book and the way that it's constructed is the reason why he's disappeared. He's been kidnapped by a global consortium of governments because he had taken over the control of the world's nuclear arm, uh, arsenal. But that was in a previous issue. So I got all that through them telling me that. You know, I, I never felt lost about what was happening. It was all no. explained. So he's been kidnapped because they realize he's too dangerous. And they basically dismantle him. So this is where you start sort of seeing where the inspiration for WandaVision comes in. In that there's a scene here very similar to WandaVision where they tr- when they track him down, Wanda goes into a room and you just see him in pieces all over the place. And it's very similar to what they did on the show. She's I mean, even, that was straight out of there. She's even on a, on a balcony above it. And it was disturbing, you know? He's all, yeah. you know, skins in one corner. And, and so then you get in, a lot of it into what what is the deal with these two. Because when he comes back, it's the white version without any context. He's been rebooted, but his memories have been gone. And they wiped everything from the computer. So this synthesoid who was, well, we get into really what he is in this book made from the brain waves of wonder man who is in love with scarlet witch uh, no longer his brain waves right no longer has those feelings and what does that mean you know if if really it was just wonder man who was in love with scarlet witch what does that mean for vision and wanted to get like it was all it's all very deep oh totally it is it was really d- deep and then you know cap shows up with she hulk and burns did a celebrated run on she hulk and cap's great it's it just a she, lot of she, things a lot of good and things. She Hulk is wearing like the the Jane Fonda workout gear of the time, <laughs> which is hilarious. And she like like I think she wore that. That was like her costume for yeah. a while. Yeah, it was just aerobics wear. So there's there's a couple of things in here that I, I think that that stuck with me. And uh, I, like we could try to explain the plot, but it's yeah, it's it's very yeah, it's Byzantine. It, it goes all over the place. So one of the first things that happens is that you find out that they're like who is responsible for vision being taken out of here and in the very last page uh mockingbird who has recently left the team and is in the middle of getting a divorce is standing in the doorway and she's like what's the matter lover aren't you pleased to see your little wifey again and brooke just before that panel by the way in a very tiny little letter he goes oh no which is great (laughs) and so and you you cut in the first issue first page of the next issue is just his angry face you it's it's so and it's so a great close it, up too. It is, but it very quickly then switches to her going, basically explaining that she was duped by these people and she's sorry she did it. And I thought, why did you act like that at the end of the next page of the last <laughs> page? And then somebody asked her in the issue, and she's like, "Yeah, I don't know. I was kind of worried about the whole thing, so that's how I acted. It was weird." And I was just so happy that they explained that moment because it was really weird. And so I was like, "Why'd you do that?" And they just explained it. It was just like I don't. Know, I was acting weird. I don't know. And there's a ton of that in here. You know, the, um, the close-up, I love the close-up on Hawkeye. And oh I realized one of the things we've lost over the years as the books shrank in page count was the opening splash page. 
you know, the mm-hmm. dramatic first shot, which, you know, I've seen creators discussing. They just, you just can't lose the real estate these days. You know, they would love to open a book with a giant dramatic splash page, but you lose however many panels of storytelling when you do that now because mm-hmm. you only have 20 pages instead of, you know, 22, 23 before. So, but it was always fun to open the book on a big dramatic moment, you know? Yeah. I've been reading Preacher again, and they do that a lot in that book. And what's funny, interesting, from an interesting uh, economic standpoint, I'm guessing artists, those pages probably sell really well for them. Oh, for sure, yeah. You know, so there's that's gone. So what's, I'm reading through this book, and we get to sort of, not halfway, but maybe a third through, and a new member is joining the team as mandated by the government, because this, if you recall back then, the, the, the Avengers and the government had a strange relationship where there was always some sort of liaison in the team. And in the doorway, it looks like it's Cap, but it's not Cap, it's U.S. agent. And that was interesting because in addition to WandaVision, now we have the Falcon and the Winter Soldier going on with them mining the Mark Grunewald era of Captain America, which includes the introduction of John Walker, who is now on the team here. So it was very interesting to see how these two current Marvel TV shows completely coincidentally are tied into this particular volume of comics. Yeah. And so then you get <laughs> stalwart John Walker, who I still, as you know, kind of hate. John Walker, I, I loved that costume at the time. I yeah, thought sure. that looks amazing. Yeah. He he's a Marvel utility player. He is what they need him to be at the time. So sometimes he's stick up his ass, you know, uh, you know, a hardcore government guy. Sometimes he's there's a there's a Mark Grunewald miniseries. I think he wrote it. There's about four issues, and it's like he's like, what am I doing? Like he's just like you get into his head and he's yeah. like way out of his his league. There was the bit I think he's in a wheelchair now and he ran he he was like the the head of the Thunderbolts or he ran the he ran the prison where the yeah. Thunderbolts are based out of. I mean that miniseries about him is, is wrapping yeah. up that we're reading now. But yeah, he's he's here he's totally like asshole bureaucrat character. Yeah. He's the one that calls everyone Mr. Listen, Mr. This is the way it is. I'm on the team, deal with it. And he comes in and out of it a lot. I mean, like he kind of shows up and he's like a big deal. And then, and then we don't see him for a while. And then he sort of comes back and then he's sort of a side player for a bit. <laughs> My favorite bit is, is a bit where he, are you going to say what I'm going to say? Is it about the clothes? Yep. I'm yeah. Exactly. I'm looking at the page. <laughs> yeah. uh, page 90. Yeah. The vision comes yeah. back. He's all white. He's not wearing clothes. Although he doesn't have a, any genitals. So I don't see the big deal, but <laughs> You heard me, robot. As long as I'm on this team, we'll have some decency around here. Get some clothes on now, mister. Oh, so good. So it's good. It's really fun. I laughed a lot reading this book. Yeah. And then and then the, let, let us not skip over the Great Lakes Avengers. Yeah, which was interesting because, so because it made me realize that, and I don't think I ever realized this to the extent that Hawkeye's sort of natural inclination is to start teams. Like he started the West Coast Avengers, and then he sort of leaves that yeah. for an issue, and he goes and he takes over the leadership of the Great Lakes Avengers, which is just a bunch of random people with powers and the Great Lakes area. And then later on, you know, not too, not too much later on, you have him, you know, leading the Thunderbolts. Yeah. So it's, it is interesting that they sort of have him as the guy who heads the new team. He's tra- he just, he just, he wants to be as good as Captain America. Right. And like, that's his thing. It's a little petty. It's a little bit vanity. It's not, it's not whatever Hawkeye is now, and we've completely lost it. Now that being said, I don't, I don't know that that character fits in very well. If like he was in the Avengers movie, you'd be like, why wouldn't they kick this guy off the team? <laughs> He's but annoying. in these comic books, which is why Hawkeye isn't in the Avengers movies, some character <laughs> named Clint Martin is fine. <laughs> Jeremy Renner. He's more is. like he's more like John Walker in those. Yeah, 
you get the Great Lakes Avengers who are just a bunch of, you know, people with powers trying to help that Hawkeye gets involved with. Those were fun issues, too. Yeah, they were. And I think that those characters were also very different than everything else. They, they you know, they were, again, trying to do the right thing. But, you know, the Mr. Mr. I, the I is immortal. You know, he can't die. He's so, great. That was know. a great patron power. That was just like, yeah, he just, he just, he dies and he resurrects. Yeah. I loved the guy who made the door. The door, doorman. He was great. He was great. There's Flatman, who's <laughs> like flat. Mr. Fantastic, but he's totally fat. And then there's Big Bertha, who's international supermodel, who gets really fat. And then she's like impervious to danger and super strong. Yeah. Oh, and the Manta Ray lady. Either way, though, like, the personalities on those characters were really unique and interesting. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Like, they were just some Midwest folks trying to do their best. It was very fitting for the thing that was called the Great Lakes Avengers. And they're like, well, Midwest Avengers didn't sound right. And again, I remember getting that issue and looked at the cover and going, this is amazing. And then, you know, you cut to Hawkeye watching the train. He's just going, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's like a perfect 80s training montage. Yeah. And all of this stuff comes together. You know, the covers are one of the best parts of this yes. because they have text all over them. It's so fun. Yeah, and so you get a lot of greatest hits here. Like Black Panther shows yep. up to try to help. We get Star Fox for a minute. What's great about that is that, you know, we see Star Fox out with Nebula in in space. And, and, and then we get the caption saying, actually, we'll get back to this in a few issues. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's just, it's just a teaser for you as a kid to go, oh, man, when's that going to happen? You know, in a way that would never happen now. And then, uh, like I said, Captain America and She-Hulk show up and... By the end of it, you know, things are really crazy. But what I think is interesting also throughout this is, you know, you get the seeds of Wanda's madness here. I don't remember how early on this started, but it certainly seeded up throughout this is there's something going on with her kids. And she starts talking about mutants and humans as being different. And she starts getting real short temper. And, you know, she started cracking here, which is something that will play out for the years up and through House of M in the 2000s. You know, that, that was the thing I think that I had one of the hardest times with when I was younger is if you had asked me, like, well, what was the deal with her kids and Vision and Mr. Pandemonium? Is it Master Pandemonium? Mm-hmm. I couldn't have explained it to you. I couldn't figure out. I couldn't remember what happened when those people captured her and, and assimilated her. I, I understood it all this time, obviously. Right. And so that that was also really interesting to go back because I just could not fathom what was happening. Like the villain in that one miniseries or that one sort of storyline where she's captured and assimilated. And that's where she comes up with sort of these more pro-mutant ideas. Like it was such a weird thing. There was no mm-hmm. villain that, just, that you could see. And right. that's why I couldn't remember it because there wasn't one. But either way, you know, the through line of this is always that like Wanda's really dangerous and unstable. And, right. you know. There's a pretty classic element of 70s Marvel sexism going on there that I think we saw go through the X-Men at the time. And, and it's it's just a part of these men trying to figure things out who are making these comics. Um, but it is compelling. And I think that in a way, you know, how they adapted it for the more modern motion picture version of it works mm-hmm. pretty well. Yeah, it's, it comes it's from not grief. Quite, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's not quite so much femme fatale who can't quite get what she wants but has a ton of power. Because she's an asshole in this. Yeah. But there's kind of a reason for it. Really, and and I don't think this is... So this ends with uh, issue 50. But actually, like to understand everything, you have to read issue 51. Where Agatha Harkness explains everything. Yeah, it gives you the sort of what happened with the kids and who the kids are. The kids are constructs. and They should have done that wrap up with Wally's kids, man. <laughs> it was just like... 
nah, they're gone now. Nobody remembers. Don't worry about it. And I was like, there you go. That's the deal. So, but issue 50 is one of my favorites. I remember this cover as a kid. Oh, yeah. Which is, uh, this is it. The riotous return of the original Human Torch as we see the Human Torch uh, bursting out of a graveyard in that terrific way they used to draw the torches so they don't do it anymore. So the whole idea previously was the vision was the, the body of the original Human Torch. The android was the body, and then the brain was from Wonder Man. And we learned here, in fact, that's not the case. The Human Torch was not the body. And so the, this is a way to bring back the original Human Torch character who we talked about recently. And we, we get to kind of do Captain America all over again because he's a character. From, you know, He made it to the yeah. 50s. He made it through the war into the 50s. So now we get the whole idea of this guy coming back to life into the Marvel Universe, one of the original heroes, and he's a great character, and I love oh, this issue. I, this this run really made me fall in love with about three characters who I really love to this day, Clint Barton and the Vision and, and the original Human Torch, because, you know, that cover to me is, you know how you talk about... I can just remember seeing it on the, on the stands oh, or in the yeah. comic shop. And I just thought, I want to know all about this. Yeah. And also, you know, we always talk about the best superhero costume of all time. The best design mm-hmm. is the Flash. Yep. This design, while not a superhero costume, I think is like my favorite sort of design that keeps the, coming back. The flame on torch version? The, yeah. The way that the torch works with the way that they would draw the inking lines to sort oh, of yeah, show yeah, yeah, yeah. the flame rippling on the outside. And, and, you know, Byrne drew Fantastic Four. So this is what Johnny Storm looked like there. But, um, just that image is just so great with, with, the, with the lines around the muscles and yep. no facial features. Yep. It, it was more unsettling now than the way they do it now with Photoshop. And I mean, it looks really pretty and you know, you can, yeah. you can, but like it just doesn't it probably makes more sense, but it's more, it this is a more evocative image for yeah. me is the way they did it here. And as a kid, I was like, who is, I, mean, I don't remember if I had a knowledge of Jim Hammond then, but I just remember being like, what? Yeah. So then they introduced the very familiar West Coast Avengers problem of a fourth blonde guy probably wearing red. Because there are there's So you Clint, Pim, Hammond. You take out yeah, you take off John Walker's hood. He looks just like that too. That's four of them. There's, there's one bit where like I actually took a picture of it. I could post it at some point. Jim Hammond and Henry Pym are standing next to each other. It's like, that's the same person. They're, they're both. <laughs> they look exactly the same. So we could sit here and praise John Byrne. No, I haven't. But he didn't bother with that part. Oh, he, he had Byrne face. You know, guys all yes. had the same face. That's fine. Yep, true. You know, a lot of artists had the face. You know, we, we joked about it in... Whose run was it? It was... Uh, it was uh, Hardman drawing Secret Avengers. Right. They were all blonde dudes. and The Avengers had a lot of blonde dudes on the team. That's all right. Listen, mister. And, uh, you know, this particular trade ends on a great cliffhanger in which Iron Man is back and he's flying in. So what's really interesting about that is that the the first West Coast Avengers miniseries also features Iron Man, but it's James Rhodes. Right. And he's trying not to let anybody know that he's not Tony Stark. <laughs> and we talked about that because it's actually yeah. funny. This is the second book split we've done on the West Coast Avengers. We did the first collection of the original issues I don't know, last year, year before. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that very thing where it was like, I'm Iron Man, but I can clearly see that you're black under there. Like, yeah. And then, and then, so as you go to the, I, I went and I read the issue after this because I had to know, but it's like the same thing. Like, who you are can't you? tell anybody who he is. In fact, I don't know if they told me. I'm pretty sure it's Tony Stark, but they didn't really. No, it is. It, 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 I read the issue too, uh, the, the next issue, 51. Yeah. He talks about it in his head. Like, you know, he's, yeah. stuck, in, he's stuck in the suit for health reasons. He can't tell oh, anybody Oh, right, because he'd is. been shot. And then when John Walker leaves, 
And it's just Pym and Wonder Man and Janet. They're like, <laughs> but you're Tony, right? And he's like, uh, I can't tell you. <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh, it was so much. You know, because I read this when I was really young. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times that stuff doesn't hold up in the way that I would want it to. You know, I've watched a lot of movies that I liked as a kid and go, this is pretty dumb. Man, this... I don't know if it is after just reading so many comics for so long, it just sinks right to the core of the thing that made me mm-hmm. fall in love with this art form. Oh, I mean, 100%. Right there. And I, you struggle with the idea of, okay, let's say they flipped the switch and they started making comics like this again. Would I love it as much like, like I did reading no. these? And I don't know. Maybe I would, maybe I won't. But I do want to love this. I think, I mean, I think in comics what happens is like, I, was gonna, I almost used. I was like, "Where one goes, all go." Or so I was like, "No, that's Q." But uh, <laughs> oh, you know, no. what happens is those trends sort of move out everywhere. So you can't have some comics like that. I, w- I want some of everything. Yeah, I want some comics like this, and I want some comics like Rug Rucka makes, and I want some comics like Grant Morrison makes. Well, the thing is, you, you know, need, you have to commit to this. You can't just have one book be like this. Well, I guess you could, right. but the whole universe was like this at the time, so it felt like yeah. a cohesive piece. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you could do just one book that was like this. I don't think that this this could compete now. It, no. it just it's just too much of a stretch for the art form. It, it it's really interesting because we were talking about every issue being your first mm-hmm. and how everything was sort of tied together, but everything was tied together in a way that wasn't that didn't feel it wasn't exclusionary. No, it wasn't compelling you to go buy the other thing. It was like, this is also happening over there if you're interested. Whereas now, you know, the, like the event's going, well, do I have to buy all the issues of the event? I mean, maybe that's because comics are five bucks a piece now instead right. of 75 cents. But it, it wasn't that. Now, and the issue that comes after, again, in that next sort of trade, or there's basically, I think there's four volumes so far of, of West Coast Avengers. And so the fourth one, which is the most recent one that came out, has issue 51 is the second to last issue. And the next issue after that is an annual. And it's the first uh, of the um, Atlantis attacks, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, though, so that was a crossover and it went across everything, but it just wasn't the same thing. Right. It, it, it didn't. It's weird because, like I said, there was no beginning and there was no end. Everything was tied together, but you really could like jump into a part of the pool for a while. Soak it up, jump out, be in a different pool, see how those two things come together. It was much more nonlinear than it is now. It's a never ending saga. It's a never. Yeah. I mean, it's just like that's that's how I get you. The story keeps going and. Like you said, you can, uh, I'm done with this role. But you can always come back and it's, you know, yeah. you'll never be totally lost because, like I, like you said, and I said, it's, they give you the context, they give you the people, everyone's got, the, everyone's named, every, the powers are all mentioned, mm-hmm. previous plot points that are important are illuminated or they tell you when they happened. It just, it was a different style where you can read whole comics these days and you never know the characters' names or you never <laughs> know what their abilities are. Well, I was trying really hard to be cool. And this this hadn't really been affected. So what's this? You say eighty nine. Eighty nine. Yeah. This this hadn't really been affected by Watchmen, Dark Knight. You know, you know, Byrne was over here like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna make my melodramatic soap opera comics that like 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 me and Chris did, you know, and you know, at some point, comics, you know, comics changed a lot after this. Well, yeah, and then shortly after this, you know, Death of Superman happens in the, in the, in the mid-90s, and then you have Heroes Reborn happens in the later 90s, then you have Justice League of America by Morrison in the late 90s, and then suddenly everything's different after that. Also, at the same time that this is happening, um, you're getting the basically the same time as this. And in, in a way, I think that 
this represents the culmination of 80s superhero comics in terms of what was really good about them in terms of the talent of a person like John Byrne. And that's very soon to be replaced by the image people, by the Jim Lees and the um, Liefelds. This this is happening sort of concurrently over in the X-Men universe at about the same time. And it just subsumes all of this. And then that becomes the big image boom. And those are the ones selling millions of copies. And then, you know, then the crash, then the crash happens. And And they take over over Avengers and Fantastic Four and Heroes Reborn. Because, you know, at this time... It was all about the X-Men. Mm-hmm. I read the X-Men books as a kid, but I was an Avengers guy. Like my buddy yes. Patrick was an X-Men guy. He read all the X-Men books. He was all about the X-Men. And I was an Aven- I read all the Avengers books and I was all about the Avengers. But I also did read the X-Men books too. You know, this was the second tier. Yeah. But I didn't understand that because I was like, this is so much better than that. I don't even know what's going on in that book. <laughs> I had so much fun reading this. I really did. I didn't want it to be uh- over. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I went and I read more. I was like, all right, I got to have more of this. I really could have and would have kept reading this story because it's just it doesn't stop. It's like a train and you're just like, oh, what's happening now? No, no, Iron Man's here. That's cool. And it was it was good. Yeah, I mean, it's good in a certain way, but uh, that's not to qualify it. Like it was just no, it was very good. It was it was like, oh, this is it really it was like I, I was like, oh, this is why I do this today. Right. Oh, it's so beautiful. It was, it was fun. I was laughing. Yep. You know, I was having fun. I wanted, I wanted to know what was going to happen next because I don't remember it beat for beat. You know, no. like, I was like, well, how the are they going to do this? Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it, I mean, I put Burns' art right now against in this era in this book against anything that's coming out now. Oh, totally. This guy could be drawing comics right now, and so it looks terrific. It's the classic storytelling style. The characters are compelling. It's very dramatic, and you really want to turn a page. It's funny. Um, characters come and go, and you, you feel like you're part of the larger world. I just, I, this was terrific. I'm so happy. He could, we read and, it. He, and he could, he, you know, he's very metered about like his pages that got shit done, mm-hmm. and then his pages that were meant to, you know, make your, you know, <gasps> you know, the gasp pages. Right. And in between there, I'm like, his <laughs> every, every single shot of Hawkeye in this is fantastic. <laughs> and then I mean that, like, He's emoting or grouching like there's one. He's on a plane with Bobby at one point and he's hunched in his seat all pissed <laughs> off. Every single picture of him is funny. It, it's just I was like, oh, it so reminded me why I loved that character. Right. And when he comes back to do the Thunderbolts 10 years from here, it was exactly this character. They wrote him this way and drew him this way. And it was really fun. And that was sort of the last of that character, which, which kind of is fine. Yeah, one thing I really did like about this particular collection is that the original coloring is intact. So we've got yeah. Paul Beckton was the colorist, at least in the first issue. And it's all flat and beautiful. The cover of this collection features one of the old covers, but it's recolored in the modern style. And it's fine, but it does, doesn't, it just, it doesn't look right. Whereas no. the, the the flat colors inside, and the, and I am in no way being derogatory when I say flat, just to me look right. Yeah, it looks like the way it should look. They That's why I've always liked added... guys like Matt Wilson or whoever now that are yeah. more towards this end of the spectrum than than the super Photoshop rendered colors. Well, there was a time when they didn't know how to do it because they were like, "Look at everything we can do." The two thousands <laughs> is terrible. Yeah. But, you but can, if you can look at it, they even like added gradients into like the Avengers logo and everything because you have to. And I, I don't know. I doubt that this book is going to sell to anybody else because they made the color look no. more like it looked ten years ago than it does than it did thirty years ago. It's just more pop arty, and if, and I, yeah. I just think 
you know, look, comics change, the stylists change, the the, the what people want change. But I'm, I'm looking at a random page in this book, page 22 in your digital reader. It's got Vision, old school Vision in his green and ye- uh, yellow costume. You've got the Avengers. And it's so bright. You know, yeah. there's this, it's just, it's like pop art. Well, the, you still the red is the same in everything. Scarlet, which right. is, you know, Tiara and Cape are the same red as Vision's face, which is the same red as Thor's cape, which is the same red as Captain America's costume, you know, right. and those are sort of peppered throughout the thing. And like those colors really, you know, they separate everything in a way that is totally not realistic, but graphically in this format lets you know exactly where you are all the time. And and it's now it's also now it's really familiar feeling. You're like, oh right, this is this is what this is what comics were like. This is how you understood them. Yeah, and the yellow of everyone's hair is the same yellow. Yep. Well, actually, Bobby's hair is not as quite as bright yellow as Hank's. It's uh, you know, this was an era. This is a return to an era of comics that really defined fandom for lots of people and ourselves included. I was reading comics years before this, but this was the year, like I said in the beginning, where I really sort of started going every week and really started collecting a lot of books as a kid and spending my allowance or money I made, you know, working odd jobs on comics and in a big way. So this is this is sort of the, the this is the encapsulation of that moment. Did you expect to enjoy this as much as you did? I knew I would like it, but I didn't think I would like it as much as I did. I agree. Yeah. I thought when I get into the rhythm of this, yeah. I'll probably enjoy it. But I, I didn't think that I'd be so delighted by it. Well, off the bat, you uh, have you've got Hawkeye right off the bat mm-hmm. doing oh. target practice in an overly crazy contraption <laughs> and almost killing Scarlet Witch. So, um, who gets right out of bed into her costume, which would As never happen now, now either. Uh, so much fun. If you, if you read this era and you haven't in a while, I would recommend going back to it. And this is a great collection. Again, I would love just one collection that contains his entire run. I even think the Visionaries John Byrne one is split into two volumes. It is. There's a John Byrne omnibus that includes this and his Avengers stuff. So maybe that's worth it. You know what I want to read, and I never have, is I want to read his Fantastic Four run. Mm, I read that off and on. I wasn't a... Again, as a Burn fan more than a Fantastic yeah. Four fan as a kid, yeah. I certainly had random issues. Like if they had a guest star, because uh-huh. that's why they did it. Like if I sure. saw Spider-Man on the cover, I'd be like, oh, shit, Spider-Man, and I'd buy yep. that one. So when, when I look back at my old collection, it, I had random Burn Fantastic Four issues. But that would be a good one. I would one totally to do that. You're right. Like, yeah. I'm like, why is the Hulk in this? <laughs> right. Captain America. I don't even like the Hulk, but I want to know what he's doing there. So maybe that's worth exploring later on in our time is maybe we should yeah. look into some fantastic four john Byrne. it's a good idea yeah so there you go that's our books load for the month this is uh avengers west coast vision quest which includes uh west coast avengers 42 to 46 avengers west coast 47 to 50 and we loved it i think you can tell you could also find this in the avengers west coast epic collection volume four i believe hmm. if you wanted to read the, the, all that stuff is inclusive there too which right. was printed later yeah, it's, it's it's in many books. It's in the it's in the West Coast Avengers Omnibus. It's in the John Byrne Omnibus, Avengers Omnibus. It's a lot of places. Classic run, and we're gonna do ratings on it. Ratings. Ratings. We have to do ratings, huh? We don't have to. That's okay. Four and a half. Four and a half is pretty good. Four yeah. and a half. So check that out at ifanboy.com. There'll be a post for the show. You can come talk about your love or not love or whatever you feel about the West Coast Adventures, about the John Byrne era, about this particular collection, whatever you want to talk about. 
I would be really interested to see if people read this who are younger than us, you know, say like 10 years younger mm-hmm. who didn't come up with these comics. Maybe they came out, you know, after like so many with the X-Men animated series and came in around that time or, or after. War, yeah. If this does anything for them. Yeah, it could be very much been, you had to be there scenario, but I don't know. Well, I mean, like, you and I didn't have any trouble loving the new gods. True. You know, and that's from a different era. And I think, I mean, it's one of the things actually that is nice, I think, about the era of comics that we're in now is that you do give a lot of opportunities to enjoy different styles of comics that, you know, it was, it was actually kind of homogenous when these books were coming out. Some were really good and some were bad, but they sort of shared a, a thing. Now there's, you know, there's a lot of different variants in mainstream comics, which I guess is exactly what I said earlier. But I just want a whole art, a series like this. Sure. I mean, I kind of want to go back now, and even though we did it before, just start in the beginning and read the whole run of West Coast Avengers. Yeah. Well, it'd be a nice little chunk. Anyway, we loved it. Hope you check it out. A lot of people do check out the books we read, and hopefully people did and liked it. And again, like Josh said, if you were not someone from that era of comics and you read it, we were curious what you thought of it. And you can tell us at ifanboy.com or at any of the places that you do, any of our social accounts, at ifanboy on Twitter or ifanboycomics on Instagram, any of the places you find us. And we'll be back in two months. With another Booksplode, what will we talk about? Who knows? But hopefully it'll be as fun as this one. And until then, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.